All right, we're in Proverbs chapter 3 tonight. Proverbs chapter 3, and God willing, we'll be expounding verses 11 through 12. The title of the message tonight is God's Hand in the Hard Times. God's Hand in the Hard Times. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, Solomon says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. The Hebrew word translated chastening here basically means to spank, to whip. If you look back with me to Proverbs 1, verse 2, then we're going to see the first time that we saw this word used in our study of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, verse 2. It says, To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. So the word instruction here is the same Hebrew word that's translated as chastening in uh, chapter 3. So the spanking that Solomon is talking about is not intended to inflict harm upon us, but to instruct us, right? To teach us a lesson. And that's what a a parent may tell a child when they're going to spank him, I'm going to teach you a lesson you'll never forget. But that's what it's for. The problem is, on account of our flesh, because our flesh is contrary to the Spirit, right? So on account of our flesh, some lessons for us are very hard to be learned. You know, the flesh just interferes. The truth is, uh, we're just not very easy to teach sometimes, you know. Christians aren't easy to teach because of our flesh. We tend to learn the lessons in the hard times, and then we tend to forget those lessons in the good times. That's the way it's been for me. I assume it is for a lot of other people. And you know what that means? If we learn the lessons in the hard times, and we tend to forget them in the good times, it means the hard times are the instructing blows of our loving God. We all go through hard times. But as believers in Christ, the hard times that we experience are intended to make us more like the Lord Jesus. Everything we do is to conform us to the image of Christ. All things work together for good for us, but all things don't work together for good for the rest of them. So for us, everything we go through, there is a purpose behind it. That God may take even the, uh, the things that we might have gone through not being a believer. But because we are a believer, God will use those hard times to be instrumental to us to make us more like Christ. And to uh, grow us in His grace. So the hard times are the instructing blows of our loving God. Solomon says, when the hard times strike you, when they spank you on the bottom, he says, don't despise the blows you receive, but learn to learn from them. Okay? Learn from those blows. You remember Jonah. Jonah and the well. That's what we think about all the time. But you know... The, I think probably the better story than Jonah and the well is Jonah and the gourd. You know? <laughs> Jonah was a prophet of the Lord, but Jonah's heart was not right with God. 
He had the wrong attitude about the people of Nineveh because he had a different way of viewing them than God did. So God chastened Jonah because he wanted Jonah to, to have the right attitude. He wanted to teach Jonah a lesson. And Jonah did what Solomon said not to do. He despised the chastening of the Lord. Jonah was sitting out in the hot sun one day. And he was all upset about the people of Nineveh getting right with God. Can you imagine a preacher getting upset because people are getting right with God? Jonah wanted God to smack them one, you know. He had the wrong attitude. If you'd look with me in Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 verse 6. We're going to read a little bit. I'm going to comment a little bit. We're going to read a little bit more. Jonah chapter 4. Jonah and the gourd. How many of y'all by memory right now just can't remember the story of Jonah and the gourd? Anybody? All right. Jonah and the gourd. It says in verse 6, Jonah 4, 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Here's Jonah out here in that hot sun. Just picks that 100 degree Texas weather. The wind's not blowing. There's no shade. And it's coming down on Jonah's bald head. And he is just so hot. So God lets a gourd grow up. And if it's anything like the little crooked neck gourds in my yard that I had. Boy, they had big old leaves on those squash plants. And I can just picture that gourd coming up, shading Jonah's head. And the Bible says he was exceeding glad of the gourd. He was so appreciative. He, he loved that gourd. Provided a nice shade for him. Verse 7. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day. And it smote the gourd that it withered. Now I know all about that. I've got bugs getting on my squash plants and my... Mustard greens and everything and, and uh, making them wither and die. and So God prepared a worm and, and that worm chewed on that gourd and, and the gourd died the very next day. That next morning when the sun, about the time that that sun started getting hot, the gourd had already withered and Jonah no longer had that pleasant shade that he had before. But times were about to get even rougher for Jonah, even harder for Jonah. Look now in verse 8. And it came to pass when the sun did arise, in other words, about high noon, that God prepared a vehement east wind, not a cool, soothing breeze, but a blasting breeze. Probably had a bunch of uh, dust coming in it, stinging on Jonah's skin. And it said, And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. Boy, in verse 6 now, if you would look in verse 6, underscore the words, God prepared a gourd. God prepared a gourd. In verse 7, underscore the words, God prepared a worm. God prepared a worm. That make a good Southern Baptist song, Mama. In verse 8, underscore the words, God prepared a vehement east wind. 
God prepared a vehement east wind. So all of these are natural occurrences. A gourd grows, a worm eats the plant, the wind blows. All of those things are things that you would naturally find in nature. Uh, and, uh, but the problem is with all of that, it wasn't just nature that was taking place. And Jonah needed to recognize it. It wasn't just nature taking place. In the worm, uh, in the gourd, in the wind, or let me put it backward, in the gourd, in the worm, in the wind. See, it is a Southern Baptist song. In the gourd, in the worm, in the wind. Anyway, in, in all those things, God was the one who prepared them. God's hand was there. The gourd... The worm and the wind were the chastening hand of God. The bad times were busting Jonah's bottom as a father would spank a child. That's what was happening in the gourd, the worm, and the wind. You know, the Bible tells us that in the times of chastening, it tells us to faint not. To faint not. And basically when it says to faint not, it's not talking about physically fainting is talking about giving up is talking about wanting to throw in the towel because that's our our, our carnal nature and, and but when we're chastened by God it tells us to faint not but sadly that's exactly what Jonah did the Bible says in verse 8 look back in verse 8 that he fainted this is a good example of someone fainting when the Bible says faint not you're watching Jonah faint. It says that he fainted and wished himself to die. Now, if he physically fainted, he wouldn't be wishing himself to die because he would be unconscious and wouldn't even be thinking like that, you see. If you're passed out, you're not thinking about anything. But he fainted in the sense that he's wanting to throw in the towel. He's wanting to give up. It says that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. What's a bunch of drama from a carnal prophet is all that is. It's just a bunch of a, a, a carnal prophet pitching a little tantrum. Jonah was despising the chastening of the Lord. He failed to see God's hand in the gourd, in the worm, in the wind. He failed to see it in the bad times. He, he failed to seek God for the wisdom he needed to learn from the hard times he was going through. So because of that, Jonah got angry. He gave up on the ministry. And he wished he was dead. That's a pathetic response from a prophet of God. But you know what? That's what a lot of Christians do. Prophets or not. That's what a lot of Christians do when the chastening hand of hard times come upon them. I'm thinking of a pastor right now. That seems to have fainted in his ministry. Just give up. Just give up wanting to die. That's what a lot of Christians do when the hard times come upon them. They just want to throw in the towel and quit. Verse 9. And God said to Jonah, 
Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? In other words, God's asking Jonah, are, are, are you right for having the kind of attitude that you have right now during this hard time? Are you right to be so upset to be angry because of this gourd that got bit by this worm and died? Jonah was angry. And you know what? As Christians, we also get angry sometimes when things don't go our way. We get mad. The question is, how many of y'all, during hard times, I mean, no one personally has done anything to you. You're at home, it's you and your spouse, or you and your family, or whatever. Everyone's been kind to you, no one's done anything bad to you, but you're going through some very difficult times, and you get mad about it. That happens, doesn't it? It happens. So I'm going to ask you a question right now. When hard times hit you on the backside, and you get angry... Who are you mad at? Who are you angry at? You get angry at yourself? Well, you shouldn't do that. Who are you mad at? At least you're not mad at God, right? That's better than that. That's better than that. But seriously, when you're mad, think, who am I angry at? And you may say, well, no, I'm not angry at anybody. I'm just angry at the circumstances. You know what? That's what Jonah was angry at. He was angry at the gourd, at the worm, and the wind. But who created those circumstances? God prepared the gourd. God prepared the worm. God prepared the wind. And and it may not be a gourd, a worm, and a wind for you, but you know what? God prepared all of it. Anything that you go through in a hard time in life is due to the preparation of God. It's God preparing hard times that God may prepare you. And so don't get angry in the hard times. Because if you get angry, Jonah's angry, uh, Jonah's anger, excuse me, caused failure. Jonah's anger resulted in his failure. He got angry at the hard times, therefore he wanted to quit because of them. His anger caused failure. What he should have done was got humble instead of angry and said, God, don't let this hard time pass me without me learning the lesson you desire for me to learn from it. That's what he should have done. Who are you angry at? He said, I'm angry at the worm and the wind and the gourd dying on me. Then you're angry at God. If you're angry at your circumstances, you're angry at God. You've got to see God's hand in the hard times. Again, are you angry at the worm? God prepared it. Are you angry at the wind? God sent that wind. Are you angry at the sun beaming down on your head, Jonah? God made the sun. So who are you really angry at? Whether you realize or not, you're angry at God. And you're not doing well to be angry at God. Instead of being angry at God in the hard times, we need to be listening to God in the hard times. We need to be learning from God in the hard times. We need to be trusting God in the hard times. So God said, Jonah, are you doing well being angry like this? Is this the kind of attitude you should have right now? And he, if you look back in your text, and he that is Jonah said... I do well to be angry, even unto death. In other words, yes, I'm right, God. I'm right being angry, and I'm going to be angry until the day I die, and I'll be right doing so. Boy, Jonah was a tough case. 
Jonah thought he was right to go to the grave in anger over his circumstances. But Jonah was wrong. He was a hothead. Again, he was having a pity party for himself when he should have had pity on the people of Nineveh. He wanted God to destroy them with fire. And he was angry because he had to experience a little son. Jonah wanted the people of Nineveh to be destroyed for their sin. But Jonah wasn't considering his own sin. He wasn't considering the lack of love he had for his fellow man. The the way God had toward him. So God had to correct Jonah's thinking with these hard times. Hard times, the chastening hand of God, always carries lessons with it. So as long as you are willing to learn from them, then the hard times will give you a good education. Verse 10, Then the Lord said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd. He was sad because the gourd died. He said, You've had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? God's telling Jonah, Jonah, you're all upset about a gourd dying. God's saying, Jonah, just think about this a moment. Put your anger aside and think about this a moment. You're all upset about a gourd dying that you didn't make, that you didn't cause to grow. And should I not care about the well-being of thousands of people that I did make? People who spiritually, Jonah, are like children. Should I not care about the cattle I made, which are much more complex than this gourd? Shouldn't I care about the people and the animals as much as you care about this gourd which has no intelligence and feels no pain at all? See what God was doing? He was putting things in a real perspective for Jonah. The hard times made Jonah see the value of the gourd which was meant to make him see the value of the people. I'll repeat that again. The hard times made Jonah see the value of the gourd, which was meant to make him see the value of the people. As that gourd was prepared to serve Jonah, so the people were prepared to serve God. You see? The gourd had a purpose, and Jonah got angry when that gourd was taken away from its purpose. But those precious souls have a purpose. The gourd, it dies, it just turns back to dirt. The people, they die and they perish forever. They had a far greater purpose and a far greater value. And the hard times were meant to teach that lesson. They're meant to be instructing times. So Solomon says, don't despise the chastening hand of God. Look back in your text now in Proverbs Chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. And now he says, neither be weary of his correction. 
Don't be weary of his correction. There, there are two things we're cautioned about here when it comes to having the right attitude in this verse. We're cautioned about the right attitude toward chastisement. We're cautioned about having the right attitude towards correction. Those two things, chastisement and correction. And they go hand in hand. Correction is the purpose of the chastisement. Does that make sense? Correction is the purpose of the chastisement. If you're putting braces on a, on a teenager's teeth, the braces would be like the chastisement and the straightening of the teeth would be the correction. Make sense? They go hand in hand, yet they're, they're, they're separate at the same time. So correction is the purpose of God's chastisement. Correction speaks of correcting the error of our thoughts and our ways. The Hebrew word translated weary here has the idea of severing yourself from the correction you're receiving. So here's the correction. The correction is the monkey on your back. And that you're tired of that monkey on your back. You're tired of that burden on your back. So you sever yourself. You're like, you know, I want to get that, that burden off my back. I want to cut it off, strap it off. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get that burden off my back. Solomon says, don't be in a hurry to get the burden off your back. That's not the number one aim in the hard times. As, as humans, we want to do one of two things. We either, A, want to do like Jonah and say, I quit. Just let me die. That's one way to get out from under the burden. The other thing we do as humans is saying, well, I don't want to die, but I'm ready to get this burden off my back, so I'm done with it. I want to seek to relieve myself of the burden. That's what Jonah wanted to do. And he was weary and he wanted to separate himself from the hard times by just giving up and dying. But remember, the hard times are sent by God to sever ourselves from the errors. So if the hard times are meant to sever us from the errors of our way, then we should not seek to sever ourselves from the hard times. Does that make sense? If the hard times are sent to us to sever us from our errors, then we should not seek to sever ourselves from the hard times. That's what Solomon's trying to teach us here. We should rather recognize the fact that God prepared the well that swallowed us. God prepared the gourd that shaded us. God prepared the worm that uh, 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 discouraged us. God prepared the wind that irritated us. God made the sun that exhausted us. And seeing God's hand in the hard times, we then pray that we'll learn the hard lessons Seeing the hand of God in the hard times. For in the end, it's better to be severed from the error than to be severed from the lesson. You get that? It's better to be severed from the error than to be severed from the lesson. Verse 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Why does a parent put braces on a child and spend all that money? Y'all ever spent money to put braces on a child before? Boy, I have. It's not cheap, is it, Sister Elizabeth? You kids be thankful, whoever got them. Why do we spend the money to correct the children's teeth? Because we love them. Why does God spend the time and the effort to correct us? Because He loves us. It's better to have correct character than correct teeth. 
And God's correcting us on the inside where it really counts. I have a friend who has a son who was born with some serious deformities. And over the years, he's submitted his son to numerous corrective surgeries. And I am very sure, because I haven't seen a surgery yet that was fun. And I'm sure that those corrective surgeries were not pleasant at all. But the father loved his son so much. He subjected him to the unpleasant circumstances because he didn't want to leave the problems uncorrected. That's the way God is with us. Whom the Lord loves, He corrects. Look back in your text. Even as a father, the son in whom He delights. That's how God corrects. Because He sees the straight teeth in the end. He sees the deformities corrected. The hard times never seem pleasant when we experience them. But as children of God, the hard times will always teach us the hard lessons. The hard times will always teach us the hard lessons. They will always pull out the surgical knife and remove the error of our thoughts and our ways if only we'll see God's hand in them. So never be angry at God for correcting you. Never get to the point where you say, I just quit. Sever myself from it. That's wrong. My friend's son couldn't see his deformity. Because he was born that way. And that's all he ever knew was a messed up leg. All he ever knew was a messed up spinal column. That's all he ever knew. He had never had a straight leg. He never had a straight spine. So he couldn't see his deformity because he was born that way. But his father recognized the error. And his father knew the benefits the correction would bring. And in the same way, we don't always see our spiritual deformities. The deformities of our hearts. The deformities of our lives. The deformities of our thinking. Why? We were born that way. But our Heavenly Father sees the deformities. He recognizes the errors. He knows the benefits His correction will bring. So when the hard times come, learn to delight in the God who delights in you. And with that, we'll go ahead and close for tonight. Yes, sir. Are they Southern Baptist? Okay, then you can sing them. Oh, please do. Please do. Mama, you might want to sing alto with them on this. We're going to have us a Southern Baptist. Hold down here with Brother Shepherd, the songwriter, the great hymn writer. He took my burdens all away, made me a gourd that day. He gave me a gourd, a wonderful gourd, to shade my head that sunny day. But then the gourd went away. Oh, where is my gourd? Oh, where is my gourd? The wonderful gourd. Oh, wonderful gourd. He gave me a gourd. But then the sun and east wind blew. It was no fun. I want to faint and quit and die. My wonderful gourd has gone bye-bye. Has gone bye-bye. I tell you what, man. I tell you what. The gourd, the worm, and the wind. I can just hear a quartet singing that. Someone's going to be watching this tonight and steal my idea. And next thing you know, it'll be on Sirius XM when I'm driving to Indiana. All right. Thank you, Brother Shepherd. That was fun. I tell you what incredible insight Solomon had. 
And now when you think of this verse, what we learned tonight, when you go through the other scriptures in the New Testament, everything like that, and you're seeing them say, don't faint, don't faint, don't quit, you'll know what he's talking about. Seeing God's hand in the hard times. Lord, we thank you so much for your wonderful word. We thank you, Father, for your wisdom that you, you pour out to us, Lord, like honey from a honeycomb from the book of Proverbs. Lord, that it soak into our hearts tonight. And Lord, when those hard times come, whether we're in them now or whether we're about to go through them shortly, I pray that this will be more than a message. I pray, Father, it will be a way of life for us. That we'll remember that the silly song that Brother Shepherd sung and the, 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 the things that we learn tonight, Lord, will be like a jingle of wisdom in our hearts that will bring us back to remembering that God prepared it all, that He may prepare us. Correct us, Lord, and transform us from the errors of our ways and make us more like Your Son. We ask it and we love You. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.